I want to jump right in tonight. The Lord, uh, last, uh, last time we had the Holy Spirit service, uh, we, uh, well, we got sidetracked by the joy. And we didn't get into the teaching of the message, uh, but we're going to tonight. And uh, that's okay, though, because I believe that the Lord knows what He's doing. And we needed some joy, you know. It's good that He knows what He's doing, amen? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Amen. So I definitely will encourage you tonight, make notes. I don't have a handout for you. I could possibly get it later, but we'll see. Um, anyway, I just encourage you to make notes, take notes, and uh, definitely um, write down the different scriptures. Make sure that everything, uh, you're going to want to learn from this. You're going to want to see this. And I want to just encourage you. Two buckets. Two buckets. Uh, if you have that, uh, can you, do you have those up or close yet? Put up just that very first title if you got it, just so you can see it. Two buckets, glory to God. Amen. And uh, turn to Deuteronomy 8, 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You see that? Two buckets. This is the message tonight. Amen. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Does the Lord want great things for you? Oh, yes. Are you sure about that? Yes. Have you ever had a period of time in your life where your mind uh, fought you on the great things that God has for you? Yes. Right? Uh, sin consciousness can be one of those things uh, where all of a sudden, you know, well, I know I've messed up. I know I've not done right. I don't deserve great things from God, right? Well, that, that's true, and that is the way that sin consciousness works. We don't deserve those things. But praise God that He loves us. Amen. Because if He didn't love us, we'd be in, we'd be in a world of hurt. Amen? <laughs> we'd be in a mess. But He does love us, and He didn't leave us helpless. He didn't leave us without solutions, right? He did something about our situation. And even though we have been a mess, even though we've been helpless, we couldn't help ourselves, and even though we've been enemies of God, He didn't leave us in that place. He wanted to come and help us and, and to help us move into the place where great things were coming out of us. Just think about this. What God wanted for you was to make you His child. Amen. Right? Yeah. Now, let's just talk about our current president. You're right. Our current president, Donald Trump, right? He was quite wealthy before he ever got to the White House. He was quite wealthy. Do you think that his children are going to be in need for anything? No. No. One, uh, he's the president. Two, he was wealthy before he got there, right? Well, here's the thing. As a child of God, do you think that our expectation should be any less? I mean, we're not talking about the president. We're not even talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about God Almighty. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Wow. And he did everything to make you his child. Wow. Where does that put our expectation? Pretty high. I mean, he only owns every planet in the universe. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, most of the time we're just thinking about what's here on earth. He doesn't just own earth. He doesn't just own earth. He owns every planet in the universe. Glory to God. He owns every one of them. That means as a child, 
What do we have at our disposal? Everything. We have everything. And matter of fact, he says it. In Romans 8, 32, he says, if, if he would give you Jesus, how in the world, I'm paraphrasing, how in the world would he not freely with him give you all things? Freely. And then he says over in Ephesians 1, I mentioned these this, this morning, it, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Right? right. Then he says, pertaining to life and godliness. Now we know when it comes to life, he doesn't want just uh, life. He wants life overflowing. He doesn't want just life to come up to the brim or just like three quarters full so it doesn't spill. He wants it to overflow and spill out of our lives and into the lives of others. Remember what Jesus said? I, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and more abundantly. And when you break that down, what it really means, the Amplified says it will, to the full till it overflows. Why? Because he wants the saltiness that we were talking about this morning. He wants the life of God to come and be so full that if I get around you, it just starts overflowing in your life and the joy of the Lord and the life of God starts hitting you. Right. Simply because a child came around. Right. He didn't leave us where we were at. We definitely didn't deserve it, everything. But he didn't leave us there. He said, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to make you a son. I'm going to make you a daughter. I'm going to make you a child of God. This is awesome. And what does a child have? Everything the father has is yours. What precedent did he set with the prodigal son, remember? The prodigal son, the older brother, he's like, you never did this for me. He looks at the son and goes, everything I have is yours. See, I think sometimes we let that slip by because the world comes in and it constantly is just beating on us. You don't have, you don't have this and you don't have that. And you know, I heard a funny thing the other day. Um, a confession is very important. If you start to get, uh, start to understand in the Word about what you have, you will start to realize that you have more available, and it's available through your faith. Right than what you've seen up to this point. Every single one of us can grow to new levels. Well, one of our mentors, Pastor Chris and Jan, uh, she, she's always said, I have all that I need and more than enough or something like that. That's her confession. I have plenty of money. And so her uh, grandson the other day was talking to the mom and dad, and they said, I want some of this. And the mom or dad, uh, Pastor Chris and Jan's uh, child, uh, son, I believe it was, or daughter, uh, said, we don't have enough for that. They said, well, just go ask grandma. She's got millions of dollars. <laughs> Why? Because their confession, her confession constantly was, I have more than enough. Right? And this is just it. See, in that child, she's got everything because that's who she says she is. Well, the truth is that child probably believes it even more than she does. She probably believes it. So, you know, a lot of times what happens is our, our child will be like, hey, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? You know, our kids have gotten this down pat. You know, there, there's a balance between teaching them to be wise with their things and don't be, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, don't, don't 
have a lack of esteem for how things got to be where they're at. There's a balance there. But at the same time, it's like Abigail and, and Rachel, you know, where y'all want to eat? Sushi, you know? It's like they're constantly, uh, what do you want to eat? Steak, you know? Every time they want to eat, it's like a $100 person type place, right? <laughs> Why? Because I'm, I'm thinking like dollar menu, you know? I know y'all never been there, but I'm thinking like, how can we escape under $50 for the whole family? That's what I'm thinking, you know. We don't need to spend $300 for every meal that we go eat, you know. But we ask them, they're like, $300 meal. Let's go to the nicest place and everything. Well, I'm, I'm like having this struggle inside me because on the one hand, I need to teach them some responsibility. But on the other hand, I don't want to hold back their faith because that's who they are. Right, right. They see it. Sometimes more than I do. Right. Come on. Yep. We're children of the king. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've told you this story before, um, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. A few years ago when Justin and I met, I went down uh, to the bike store and we met. He had just opened down there. And uh, I had this old, very heavy old bike, right? <laughs> It was very heavy. And uh, I said, hey, you know what? I want a nicer bike. And so I believed that the bike that I was going to believe for was around $1,000 to $1,500, I think is what I was believing for. And uh, so I put this little basket up there, and I said, I'm believing God uh, to fill up this basket so that I can have money to have a, a nice bike, right? And so uh, it, it turns out that... Uh, the very first person I put this basket up on the wall and the girls at that time, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, and uh, they took everything that they had and put it in that basket for my bike. They sewed into that. I was like, man, I was in tears. I was messed up. Why? Because that's childlike faith. It's the heart to give. Well, guess who got a bike before I got my bike? Those girls. Somebody calls me. It wasn't just a couple weeks later. Now listen to this. Just a couple weeks later, just a couple weeks, somebody calls and says, Hey, I've got the girls on my mind. Do they have a bike? I've got it on my heart to give them both a brand new bike. I'm like, I want a brand new bike. <laughs> I was like, Why come, how come they're on, they're on your heart? I'm thinking this, you know, not, not real bad. I, it excited me. Why? Because when they sewed into mine, before I could even get mine manifested, they already had one. They already had it. Their faith was there like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Dad, it's not hard to get a bike. I mean, y'all, you know, whatever. You know, they're, they're, that's childlike faith. Listen, you want me to tell you what that is? That's the Lord upholding his covenant. He's a covenant God, and he's upholding it. And before you know it, they're stepping right in. They got a brand new bike before I got mine. Now, eventually, I got mine. Uh, Justin helped me out with one, one, and uh, it was a, it was a nice bike. I still have it to this day. It didn't cost me that that amount of money. He really blessed me with a good deal on that and everything. And I got to ride and not ride that old heavy one anymore. The Lord, the Lord blessed me. It was awesome. But I always remember that because when they sewed in, they weren't even believing for a bike. They were just sewing out of their heart. To give. Yeah. 
Daddy, we want to be a blessing to you. We want you to have that bike. Here's our stuff. Their heart to give led them into their inheritance. Their heart to give led them into their inheritance. Because they were already a child of God. They already had an inheritance. They just operated in the grace that they had and their heart to give manifested their abundance. You see? Children will believe things so much quicker a lot of times because the world's been beating up on us, teaching us that we can't have that kind of dinner, we can't do this, we can't do that. The world's been teaching us what we can't have and God's had it in here the whole time showing you what you can have because you are a child of God. And see, you got to stop listening to the voices that say that you're not worthy of anything. Because by yourself, maybe you weren't worthy, but in Christ you are. In Christ you are. Glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth. It is He who has given you the power to make wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. For it is He who has given you the power to make wealth. Who gives you the power to make wealth? God does, your loving Father. Now why does he do that? When you look at this, look at the verse, it shows you why. Why does he give you the power to do that? That he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. In other words, he's given you the power to make wealth because he made a covenant over it. And he is a covenant God with a covenant heart and you are not forgotten in his part of the covenant. Now here's the thing, have you ever watched somebody... They actually have an inheritance, but they'll put it aside. See, people do this kind of thing all the time with the Lord. It doesn't make sense to us if we talk about it in terms of money. But I'm telling you that the scriptures I'm reading you tonight directly translate straight to money. But people put their inheritance aside because they don't know that they are who God says they are. They don't know that they're the worthy son that has everything that the father has. They don't realize it, so they don't believe God in that way, and they won't be willing to accept it. But you are a child of God, and He's got great things for you. He has great and mighty things for you. He wants to give you the power to make wealth simply because it confirms His covenant to you. He wants you to have it. Now, here, let me watch this. How many people want wealth? Now, you notice, I want you to see something. How come when I said, how many people want wealth, we all didn't go, me! How come that didn't happen? We're not convinced of it. Yet God just said, I want to give you the power to it. We're like... Should we raise our hand here? I'm not so sure. This is church. Is it okay to want wealth? See, we don't... Look, it's a very valid and important point. We don't know that it's ours. 
Otherwise, you'd be like, bing. You know, they said, how many want a breakthrough? I'm like, me. All the time. Why? How many people want a financial breakthrough? How many people need to go to another level in their finances? Me. Every time. Why? Because I know what it's for. And I know that God wants me to have it. We need to get to be the kind of people that knows that God wants us to have it so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. Those things have a purpose. Now, a lot of times he wants to establish his covenant. Not only does he want us to have wealth to show us that he is a covenant God, but he also wants us to have wealth so that we can show other people about his covenant heart as well. That's what it's there for. He gives us, we'll see this in a second, an abundance for every good work. But see, most people in the church don't even know that God wants them to have it. And it's because of bad teaching. It's because people haven't spent time on these verses. And and it's not just a couple of verses. It is rampant throughout the Bible that God wants you wealthy. You know, he talks about it being a blessing to our lives. There's so many, sin now prosperity, Lord. This is one of the verses. Sin now prosperity. That person didn't get zapped for saying that. Oh, sin now. How dare you ask for prosperity, you poor little Christian. That didn't happen to that person. Matter of fact, that's that's actually an example. Now, don't you get started again last time. (laughs) Last month. Now, you go right ahead. The joy of the Lord. Amen. But see, we got this idea that God doesn't want... No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's good. We're going to look in 2 Corinthians 9 in a minute, and we're going to see something about the abundance that He wants to give you. Now, why is this important? Why is, why is finances important? Why, why is this a key element? Why should we preach on this on a regular basis? Because in this earth, whoever owns the finances owns the heart of what those finances are used for. If the wicked have the resources, the wicked will do wicked things. But if the righteous have the resources, the righteous will do righteous things. That's good. And so if you were the devil and you were trying to get more wicked things done and less righteous, what would you do with finances? Make the Christians believe that it's a bad thing. Get them so condemned over having anything that when somebody says, how many of you want wealth, they don't even know whether or not to raise their hand. That's so good. Do you realize humility is receiving what God has? Yep. Think about this. Think about... You know, I've talked about this multiple times, but just think about it on Christmas, you know. Uh, Abigail, come here, please. So think about this. Let's say it's, it's Christmas, and I've got a present for Abigail. Come over here. Let's say that I've got a, a present for her. All right, that's good. All right, let's say I've got a brand new phone. This is an example. <laughs> let's say that I have a brand new phone, Right? Now, she knows enough now, she'd be like, oh, daddy, you're the best ever. And she would take it, right, without hesitating, give it back quick. (laughs) All right, so now, 
But what if I had spent time buying her this present? I had spent time. I wanted her to have it. I paid a price for it. And I go, here, I want you to have this phone. And she goes, oh, no, I don't need that. I don't need that. No, 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 no. I, I want you to have it. I paid a price for you to have it. No, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should take it. No, I, I want you to have it. Take it. Right? Why, why would I even be feeling that way? Because what she's saying is, I'm not good enough to have it, or I don't know if I should accept it from you. Either way, it's assaulting the price and the character and nature of the giver. See, finances has everything to do with the believer, and yet we've made it almost a bad word in church. And, and I love that last, last month we were talking about you know, tithes and offerings and the joy broke out. But why do we need to talk about it again? Because we don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It's important. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit told me, go right back to this message. Why? Because when I asked who wants to be wealthy, it went like this. I don't know if I should have it. Am I supposed? Uh, it's church. Should I? See, we've got to know what God said about it. And that way, when he says, hey, here's a gift I want you to do, you, you already are at the place where you go, boom, I know what to do with it. I know exactly what to do with it. You know to give it back. Amen. Glory <laughs> to God. I know exactly what to do with it. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. You remember when Jesus, I've been talking about this a good bit, but do you remember when he said, he, he said it like this. He said, how can you have true riches if you haven't done well with this? Right? This small thing is what he said. How can I give you true riches if you haven't done well with this small thing? Right. I think it's in Luke 16. How can you have true riches? Well, what's true riches? True riches is operating in the spiritual things of God. Being able to impart and manifest the power of God. True riches is being able to win souls. How can, how can I give into your responsibility a responsibility to win souls if you can't even handle this small thing? In other words, isn't it possible that we'll never get to the level that we need to get to if we don't handle whatever the small thing is that he was talking about? Is, aren't we called to grow up as disciples and to manifest heaven on earth? Isn't that true riches? Isn't this in a very general sense what he was talking about? In other words, we're called to get to another level, but we're not going to get to that level if we can't handle the small thing he's talking about. And what's the small thing that he's talking about? Money. He said, if you can't handle money, he said, if you can't handle this small thing, how can I give you the true riches? So every believer ought to be a master 
in money. Otherwise, how are, if they're not a master in a small thing, how is God ever going to make them a master of the big thing? So here's what he says. One of the things, this becomes very, very important. And one of the great things I love about money is money is a great teacher of all of the different principles of God. He's, it's a great teacher of who we are and how to operate in the kingdom. It's a great teacher of those things. Uh, you want to talk about learning faith? Learn how to use it in money. It, it teaches you. You can apply the same faith you'll learn with money over into healing and it works. It's a great teacher of the principles of God. It's a great uh, medium, so to speak, to use, and then you learn this is how faith works, this is how hope works, this is how love works, and you can use that with finances. Now look at this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Doesn't that sound awesome? All grace abound to you. And yet, what's he talking about in this passage? Money. You mean money and grace are connected? You better believe it. <laughs> yeah. Money and grace are connected. This whole passage is about money. You know, you'll hear people say, well, I thought it was filthy lucre. No, the love of money. Not money, but the love of money. The love of money is evil. Not the money itself. Money's just a tool that magnifies the heart of the person. It's just a tool. If you have a good, righteous heart, money will do righteous things. If you have a wicked heart, money will do wicked things. Money's a tool, and it simply magnifies the heart of the person. But what I want you to see here is God is able to make all grace amount to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have and, say it with me, abundance, abundance. for what? Every good deed. You're trying to tell me that God wants me to have an abundance. Matter of fact, he gives you the power to make an abundance. The power to make wealth, to establish his covenant. Why does he want you to have an abundance? Because in the abundance, you will have the power to do every good deed or every good work. Do you realize that there are works that God wants you to do that you will not be able to do unless you have an abundance? How many people would like to go ahead and finance the thousand souls that we will win next year on the mission field? You'd like to finance the thousand souls that we'll win next year on the mission field? Amen. Well, how does that happen? You got money to go. Don't answer this question. Don't raise your hand. But how many is ready to go right now and ready to give whatever it takes? You've got it sitting in the bank and you can. This year's mission budget was, I don't know, somewhere around, somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 probably. You got that sitting ready to go right now? But see, here's the thing. This is why we need to believe for it. Right. This is why we need to know what the Lord says about this. 
Because the great thing about this is it doesn't matter who you are. God's not a respecter of person. He'd just as soon give to you as he would somebody else. Because you're his child. And he wants you to have an abundance for every good work. But listen, I'm going to say it again. That means that there's going to be works that you can't do if you don't have an abundance. And if you don't know what God says about finances, you're not going to have an abundance. If you don't understand that how many people want to be wealthy and, and you, you don't go, me, because I know what it's for. It's to do every good work. Yeah. If you don't know that, then do you have faith for it? And if you don't have faith for it, will you ever have it? No, you won't. Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, a.k.a. your bank account, faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes your lack, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes every good work that needs to happen, even our faith. So if I don't know that God wants me to move in abundance, then I'm not going to have faith for it. And if I don't have faith for it, if I don't know that I know that he wants me to have an abundance, I'm not going to have faith for that. The devil's won. And what he set out to do, he's done. Because he's taught us, you shouldn't have it. You should be a humble little poor Christian. I ought to have some people rebuking me just for making that example. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I rebuke that. I don't receive that. <laughs> it ought to jump out of you. Yeah. Just when I said it, man, something gritted on the inside of me. A little poor, little humble Christian. Quote, unquote. Uh -uh, uh, no, because that's not the word. He wants you to have an abundance for every good deed. An abundance, an abundance, an abundance. Do you know what that means? That means not only are your needs met, but it's well overflowing, yeah. right? Well overflowing, well overflowing in your life. Have you ever like uh, taken a hose and put it into a bucket and you turn the spigot on and you watch that water rise up, rise, 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 then it gets to the top and it spills over. And unless you turn that pipe off, that thing just keeps running, running. It'll completely soak and saturate the ground. That's the way it's supposed to be in your finances. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. I see you are still, you're still at the, should I amen that loud enough? Amen. Because see, here's what I'm thinking. That's a really good place for an amen and a hallelujah. God wants to soak the ground around your amen. feet with abundance. Yeah. Well, see, we don't even, we don't know that. We don't know that we know because we've had bad teaching on it. And, and, and we don't want to stick out there. But guess what comes with that abundance? In Mark chapter 10, it says, Now if you've given uh, uh, for this gospel's sake or for my sake, Jesus said, you will receive now and in the time to come 100-fold, right? He said, but with persecution. Why? Because you start walking in abundance where the ground around your feet is soaked with abundance. There's going to be some people saying some stuff. Just ask Jesse Duplantis. Brother Copeland, Creflo Dollar, ask those guys. And the thing is, they have to put down their feelings too, but man, they're getting attacked because they're believing God. They're believing God. They're believing God. Let me just, let me just, uh, 
Let me talk about that for a second. Listen. I, w- I want you to see this. I think the plane that Jesse Duplantis is uh, talking about getting $54 million. Thank you. I, th- I, was, I thought it was around 50 to 55 somewhere in there. So, yeah, $54 million plane. Well, what does he need that plane for? Doesn't he need it to do the work that God's called him to do? Yes. yes. Did, and this is important. This is, this is a fine line, but this is important. Did, he, did, he, did, he, did God tell him to pay for it? Or did God tell him to believe for it? There's a big difference in those. But even if he told him to pay for it after you believe for it, could he not? You know, think about these businesses out here. What do they have planes for? To do their work. Right. To do the work that they're trying to make a profit for. All right, this is a good one. <laughs> Who's he trying to make a profit for? God. Oh, so he doesn't have a right to go make a profit for God. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about souls. But they have a right to go make profit for the world? Yep, you get it. That's so good. Get it. Do you see? All right, so now we're, we're already straightening out some thinking. But here's the other thing. Um, I had a pastor friend, and I don't, I don't remember these numbers exactly, but basically on the size business that, Jer- that Jesse does compared to the average household, that would be like the average household having one $30,000 car, if I remember it correctly. So if you have a car or two cars that equals more than $30,000 new, then, and you're saying that's wrong, that you're a hypocrite. Because you're saying it's all right for me, but it's not all right for him. That's not that big, and that's not out of the scope of our thinking, but percentage-wise, that's what it is. But if you also knew the, under, uh, the schedule that they keep, you'd look at it a little bit differently. Also, if you knew what they gave, you'd look at it differently too. Because their level of giving is huge. I know stuff about uh, Brother Copeland's ministry that would blow the socks off of what most people think. And stuff that he just gives all the time. But here's a bigger thing. I, this is what I want you to get at. In the world, I think the world's uh, wealth, the wealth of the earth, the planet earth, the wealth of the earth is around, if I remember it correctly, around four quadrillion dollars. So that's four thousand trillion dollars, right? Well, if you measured out from the floor, just you had a graph from the floor to right here, uh, four quadrillion dollars, right? The amount of that plane would barely be a line that you could see in the middle of that. You'd have, it'd be such a thin line. If this was the world's wealth, it would be such a thin line, you'd have a hard time seeing it. So in the the scale of the world's wealth, it's barely even visible. It's only big because it's big figures to you. But see, here's the thing that you got to think about. How is it on the scale of God's vision? 
See, what's happening is that Jesse and all these guys, their vision is bigger than most people's vision of God. And they know how big their God is and they're believing God for big things because they are believers. They're believers. So what's really what we're identifying is not what, you know, here's uh, while we were out a couple weeks ago at Texas, Inside Edition uh, came and they kind of hijacked, uh, they like ambushed Jesse while he was signing books. He was trying to sign books and, and uh, on his new book and give them to people that want them. And in the middle of it, they whipped out the camera and the microphone, tried to do an ambush interview and everything. And, uh, but here's the thing. They went and stayed at the Omni Hotel. Right. They brought all their staff. They had airplane tickets to get there. They did all these things. Well, and their question, their first question is, why would, you, why would you pay that much money for it and not give it to the poor? Well, hold up. Let's go. Let's go back to this. Why would you pay money to stay at a hotel and fly out here and try and get an interview? Because that's, that's your job. That's what you're up to. But here's the other thing. If you took, you can look at a lottery and you can give lottery winnings to people, they don't last and they don't change. Over A few people every now and then will get it right. That money, if you gave it to the poor, would be completely gone within, and would make zero difference practically. But the word preached that's carried on the wings of that plane will change lives forever and it has the ability to multiply. It has the ability to completely multiply lives change. So which one's more valuable? The money or the word that it carries? Right, the word that it carries. But going back to this, you know, if the world is, if the world's worth is four quadrillion dollars and that plane is barely a line in that graph that you can see, what we've really done when you start to look at it, this earth is one planet in the solar system that has nine planets now that they let Pluto back in, right? We're for you, Pluto. All right. And so now it's got nine planets. This is in a solar system, right, of the sun. But our sun is one of a billion stars, over a billion, in the Milky Way galaxy. And our galaxy is one of a billions, billions of galaxies. So you've got solar systems, not planets, solar systems, Billions times a billion galaxies, solar systems, excuse me, billions times a billion solar systems, and then however many planets times that right. on average. Our Earth is four quadrillion. God owns every planet and every star. See, when you start to fuss over the 54 million, you don't show me how much you know. You show me how much you don't know about how big your God is. And you know who really ridiculed him the most were the churches and the ministers. And all you're telling me is that's your choke point. In other words, God can't ever get bigger in your life than $54 million. No, no, no. My God's bigger than that. I praise God that there's some people out there that's pioneering faith, that's believing God for $54 million faith. 
Praise God. Why? Because we need it. Because the bigger we can reach out there with our vision and believe, the more abundance we have to do every good work. That means it's in the Christian's hand and not in the world's hand. See, people don't even understand those things about finances so that when they get in church and say, who, who wants to be wealthy? People go, oh, should I? I don't know. I don't know. Listen, this is me now. Me. Me. Why? Because I know what I'll do with it. I know what I'll do with it. On a regular basis, on a regular basis, we empty the bank account in giving. Why? Do I tell you that uh, to, make, to make us look good? No, no, I don't. I tell you that because I, the word says this, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. This is how you follow those things. You start to say, Lord, you're worth it. My plans compared to yours stink, but you got the plans. We trust you. You want to give us the power to get wealth? Because when you give me abundance, I'll do the same thing I'm doing with it now. When abundance comes over and above what I have now, I'll do the same thing. It'll go right through me and into your kingdom. And we will do, in Jesus' name, Father, we will do every good work. That's what it's about. In verse 10, it says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply. And multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Amen. He'll increase the harvest of your righteousness and turn it into abundance. Now look at this picture again, the very first picture, the two buckets, right? On the two buckets, what do you see? You see, he will give you seed for sowing and bread for food. He will give you seed for sowing and bread for food. For food. There's two different buckets there, and that's what I want to talk about. But these buckets, you notice that these buckets, they are talking about abundance. They're talking about abundance. What we're talking about in this passage is not the tithes. We're talking about the offerings, because the offering is a seed. That's something that you plant to multiply. The tithe is not something. The tithe is what you give back to God. It's not yours to determine what it is. Right? So now let's look at Malachi 3, 8 and 10. Malachi 3, 8 says this. Y'all be ready with those pictures back there because I'll want them when I want them. Will a man rob God? Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? We've robbed you in tithes and offerings. And then you are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, me, the whole nation of you. In other words, you step into the place where you're walking in lack. That's what a curse is. You're walking in lack because you've held back what you should be given to God. But he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land, says God. God. 
Now, this really describes the tithe, and here's what he's saying. He's saying when you start to tithe, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. That's what this is. This is the storehouse of God so that when people have a need, there's a store for them to draw out of. Just this week, matter of fact, you may want to give to this. Uh, just this week, we were asked, there was a widow that needed some help and uh, needed some help with some dental work. And they asked, well, we're a storehouse. They said, can you help us? Uh, they go to church on a regular basis here. All right. Amen. <laughs> and cut. All right. And so anyway, uh, they go to church and they needed some help with it. And we said, we said, absolutely. Why? Because we're a storehouse. We're a place where people bring their tithes and their offerings. And we're a storehouse for the things that God, that God wants to dish out. Well, then it also says this, that I will open up the windows and the doors of heaven. I'll open up the windows and the doors of heaven. What is that for? What's a window for and a door for? What do you do with a window that's not filled by stained glass? You look out of it. You see the vision, right? You see vision through that. What's the door for? For stepping through. In other words, you look out when you give your tithe and you understand that really you're not giving your tithe, you're returning it to God. Right? God says the tithe is mine and it's holy. So you're actually returning that. Right? Pay attention up here. All right. You're returning the tithe to the Lord because it's His. You're recognizing, you're recognizing this is not mine and I wouldn't have anything if He didn't give it to me. I'm making sure that He gets back that increase. Right? I'm making sure that He gets it back. Here's what He says He says, I will open the windows and the doors. In other words, I will give you vision to see. What I have planned for you, for the abundance that's on the horizon. I will give you vision to move into faith. I can start to see myself as a millionaire. I can see myself as a billionaire. I can see myself as somebody who's moving in the abundance. That's what the tide does. It starts opening up your spiritual vision. But then the door is this. You start to see doors of opportunity. Because listen, just because the door's there doesn't mean that you walk through it. It doesn't mean that you step through it. But all of a sudden, you will see what God wants you uh, to see. You'll see where he wants you to go. And you will recognize the door of opportunity. And then you will step through by his grace. The tide does all of that. But not only that, there's more. But wait, there's more. And uh, if you call now, if anyway, um, all of a sudden he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That means all this stuff I'm doing, the devil can't play a part in it anymore. I will rebuke the devourer because the devil tries to devour, steal, kill, and destroy everything you put your hand to. But God says, I will stop him. When you start bringing the tithe, I will stop him. So he'll stop the devourer. He'll open up the vision in your life and he'll open up the doors. Now you have to look through and you have to step through, but it's there. He will give you the power to go after and get that wealth. He'll give you the power to see and then to step through. That all happens with the tithe. But that's not what brings abundance. That just opens up the windows and the doors. 
What do you think those doors... Uh, when I talk about doors of opportunity, I always think of blind Bartimaeus, right? Blind Bartimaeus has a door of opportunity. What's the door of opportunity? I heard Jesus is coming by this way. Jesus, you mean the son of David? You mean the Messiah's coming here? That means if he comes here, if he touches me, I can get healed. I can see again. So what happens? Blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. They said, here comes Jesus. What does blind Bartimaeus do? Jesus! Jesus! Son of David! You know, because he didn't have to have his hand up there. But it was, you know, I'm acting like I'm blind, you see. Jesus! Son of David! Anybody got some shade on them? No, I'm just... <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! And what were the disciples saying? Shut up! <laughs> no. See, he was a tither. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't just call him Jesus from Nazareth. He recognized him as the Messiah because the Messiah was coming through the lineage of David, right? He was saying, this is the anointed one of God. I will not miss my door of opportunity. See, even though he was blind in his eyes, he had spiritual eyes to see. His door of opportunity was walking by him. And no matter how much somebody said, shut up, he said, no, this is my door of opportunity. He got up, he jerked off his, he, all of a sudden Jesus said, tell him to come here. Listen, Jesus was walking by and he shouting out, Jesus, son of David. All of a sudden, Jesus makes Jesus stop in his tracks. Why? Because that was faith. He's stepping through the door. He's sowing faith. He's sowing faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus stops, says, tell him to come here. All of a sudden, blind Bartimaeus over there is like, they said, hey, Oh, now, I mean, a minute ago, they're like, shut up. But now they're like, oh, he calls for you, you know. And, and they're sitting there. All of a sudden, things change. He calls for you. He jumps up. Essentially, he takes off everything that makes him a blind person. And all of a sudden, he goes, and I guess they had to lead him. But he goes, and they walk over there to Jesus, right? And he steps through his door of opportunity. He drops his cloak that says he's a beggar. I'm no longer that person. I am no longer the blind man who begs for his food. I am a child of God. I am a child of God Most High. And he walks up there and he gets healed. Amen. That's a door of opportunity. His door of opportunity was Jesus walking by. Listen. Jesus is walking by you right now. Yeah. It's called a message that's being preached. That's the beauty. As soon as Jesus came into the world, everything multiplied. Now you can have a preacher preaching this word and the power of Jesus is coming through. But this is all in the tithe. But you're not really moving to abundance yet. You move to abundance when we start getting into the offering. And the offering is anything that you choose to give over and above the tithe. 
The tithe doesn't put you in abundance. The offering puts you in abundance. And God wants us to be in abundance for every good work. So here's my question. If you are not given an offering, are you ever going to move into abundance? No. And if you are not tithing, can you even get to an offering? So can you get to the place of abundance? No. It's like, oh, oh, here we go. Now pastor's into the giving. No, 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 no. I'm teaching you the small things in the kingdom. And if you can't get this, and this right there where it talks about the small thing, I think in Luke chapter 16, it says this. He says, if you won't give with your little, how are you going to give with your much? It won't happen. It won't happen. And this way saying, if you can't get on top of this small thing called finances, how am I going to give you true riches? And are you not a child of God most high? Aren't you called to not just the small things, but the big things of God, the true riches of God? Every single one of us, aren't we called to that? Then we've got to learn how to get on top of the small things first. It's like Christianity 101. We've got to understand finances. And in order to understand finances, not only do we have to become a tither, we have to become a giver. We have to become a sower. We have to become a sower in our heart. Now, I want you to see this. We talked about this last time, but I just want you to see it. I'm going to give you these verses. You can write them down. 1 Kings 17, 8. 1 Kings 17, 8. 2 Kings 4, 1. And then John 6, verse 5 through 13. 1 Kings 17, 8, 2 Kings 4, 1, and then John 6, verse 5. Now in these stories, here's the three things that happen. Number one, there's a widow and she's in debt. And she's about to lose her kids. They're going to take her kids and put them in slavery to pay for the debt. She comes to the man of God, right? In the second example, you have another widow. She has one meal left and then her and her son die. She goes to the man of God. In the third example, it's when Jesus feeds the 5,000 and you've got all they have out in the desert. They have some money. They actually have quite a bit of money, but there's no place around to buy it. And not only that, there's at least 5,000 men, which basically means over 15,000 people on an average family. There's a bunch of people out in the desert. They have a lot of money. They have thousands of money into, of dollars in today's dollars, but it's not enough to buy over 15,000 people there because that wasn't what they were planning on doing. And not to mention there wasn't a local you know, restaurant right out in the middle of the desert anyway. So they have a need, and what do they have? They got the little boy with his little lunch. So they bring the little boy's lunch to Jesus And he does something to it. In the first example, uh, the prophet, the man of God, basically says to the lady whose kids are getting ready to go into debt, what do you have? She says, nothing except for a little bit of oil, right? In the next example where they're about to eat their last meal, he says, she says to him, I'm going to fix this last meal. We're going to eat it and die. And he says, don't give, he said, don't do that. Give it to me. Give me your last meal. In the other one, he says, take that oil and give it, sow it. To the little boy with the lunch, he says, give me the lunch. 
Now I want you to see, here's three different places where people are in a complete jam. And what do they say from the Lord? Give it. They say they don't have anything, but they have just a little. And then God says to them, give it to me. Now see, here's the thing. A lot of times when we're trying to get out of a jam, what's God going to tell us? This is his way. This is his pattern. What's he going to say to you? Sow it. Give it. Why? Because when you do that, you step out of the world system and you step into God's system. You step out of the limitations of men and you step into the unlimited ways of God. God's got to have some way of getting you from one to the other. He's got to have some way of getting you out of the normal of man and into the normal of God. He's got to get you there. So what does he do? He asks you for something that doesn't make sense. He asks you for something that's illogical to man's way of thinking. And then, what is that? That's a door. It's a door of opportunity for you to step through from the world system into God's system. It's an opportunity. He gives you the ability to sow. He gives you the ability. In other words, a lot of times people look at, what's this going to cost me? No, no, it's got nothing to do with what's going to cost you. That shows me right there, you don't know what this word says. I'll explain that a little bit later. But a lot of people look at it as like, how's this going to affect my bottom line? No, 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 no. It doesn't affect your bottom line except in the positive because what you sow, then you go down the road and you have a harvest off of it. Does the farmer, the farmer will count the cost of the seed, but does he complain about putting the seed in the ground or is he happy to plant the seed in the ground? He's happy. Why? Because he knows what the seed will produce. What kind of heart do we need to have when we sow? We got, see, this is why a lot of people hesitate on sowing this because they don't really trust the harvest. They don't really trust it. So they never move into the abundance of God because when they give, they're like, this is costing me something. No, it's not costing you something. You're sowing. You're sowing. And now that thing can be multiplied and returned. Well, I don't like that. Why would God take away from somebody who has little? Because it gets you in His way. It moves you from a limited system into His unlimited system. It moves you from a limited world's way into the unlimited ways of God. And whether you like it or not, it's God's way. And His ways are holy. It's God's way. And his ways are holy. His ways are holy. His ways are holy. So see, I can get up here and I could preach against it if I wanted to. And I could take some verses out of context. But it's, his ways are holy. And I'd be wrong for preaching it that way. Or we can start walking in his ways and see the things of God. We can start walking in his ways and see us move from a little to an abundance. What happened to the first lady? She sows that little bit of oil. She has so much oil, she pays off all her debt and she has enough to live off of for the rest of her life. Amen? Amen? 
What happens to the next one? She sows her last meal and they never go without from there on out. Amen? Amen. See, what happened to the little boy? Well, how many baskets of fragments did they collect? Twelve baskets full. A basket big enough to carry a man in. A basket big enough to carry a man in. That's the harvest. Who do you think got it? According to the word, that little boy and his family. They collected them all. Can you imagine? Little boy goes off to hear Jesus. I'm going to go here to preach or preach, daddy, mommy. Do, do, do. Got my little happy meal. Do, do, do. Got my happy meal. And then on the way back, it's like 12 men with them. Daddy, mommy, look, these men followed me home. Look, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. I went with a little box. Now I'm coming home with 12 baskets. Harvest doesn't have to take a long time. There is seed, time, and then harvest, but it doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't have to. You need to have faith that there's immediate harvest. You need to start believing God for quick harvest and seeing those quick harvest. Amen? Amen. So then, let's look here. I've been talking about it. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Are you getting something out of this? Is it helping you? Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 through 15. He says, He who is faithful in a very little thing, he doesn't just call it a little thing, he says a very little thing, is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So see, when God starts talking about money, he's not telling you about money just so that you can be a big giver. He's not telling you just so you can have abundance. He's telling you about money so that you will get the slave master off your back. Because you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. And you can't serve both. He wants you to move in abundance so that you're no longer a slave to anything else. Because when you're out of debt and you're operating in abundance, you're not moved by any creditor's calling. You're not moved by uh, whether or not you can take the family to the beach or not. You're not moved by that. And when the job, the boss tries to force you into something and he's trying to hold money over your head, you're like, I don't care about that. God is my boss. I listen to him, not you. You are not my owner. Amen. I feel the faith rising up. Verse 15. Or verse 14. Now I want you to notice this. Look at 14, 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and they were scoff- scoffing at him. <coughs> How 
dare he say these things? And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. He's not talking about money. He's talking about their heart that loved it. He's saying, your heart that loved money is why you're scoffing. He's saying, you're being ruled by it, by mammon right now. But I want you to see this too. Most people, when they scoff at a message that talks about tithing and giving, he's talking about money again. Why are they doing it? Because in their heart, they're lovers of money. They haven't gotten on top of that very little thing. And so they can't go to the true riches. Amen. That's why. And, and look, trust me, in here it's easy to preach about money because we've, we've grown up and we've created an atmosphere where we teach the Bible. <laughs> but there's a lot of places you can go and as soon as you start talking about money, oh, they get cold. They get cold. It's easy for me to talk to you about money here. Y'all receive it pretty well. There's times when you, you know, shrink back off of it, you know. And not every church in Stanley County is like this. I'm just saying, it, but there's times where people can get cold over that. Why? Because they got something that's still ruling over them. Come on, that's, so good. that's what they're feeling. That's why they don't like hearing that message. Because as soon as you start hear, hearing that message, that spirit, that mammon spirit that's got control of them goes, <clears throat> he needs to shut up about money. And that's what they're feeling. They don't realize it's not the preacher. It's the one controlling you. Glory to God. Hey, everybody online. Woo. <laughs> Love you, praying for you, mean it. <laughs> Second Corinthians nine. And verse three. But I have sent the brethren. Now this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Now I'm giving you this message tonight because I want to give you the fullness of what you need to know to move into abundance. How many people want wealth? Amen. How many people want abundance? And what are you going to do with that abundance? Every good work. Every good deed. Now here's Paul talking to the Corinthian church and he starts to talk to them about their giving, about their sowing. He's not talking about tithing here. He's talking about over and above the tithe once you get over into the offering. And I'm taking my time in this and I know that it's a longer message maybe on tithing. It's not long to some people, but to some people it is. Uh, on tithing and sowing because I want you to get this. I want you to see it. I also want you to refer back to this message and see it for what it is. Because if you will get these principles inside of you, it won't be long. You'll be moving and flowing in abundance. Amen. Anybody want that? Amen. 
I know Miss Sharon wants it. She's been smiling for the last 30 minutes. Y'all going to have to pray for her muscles to loosen up when we get out of here. She's like, yes! I've been waiting for this message. Why? Because she understands something about finances. She understands something about this very little thing. All right. But I have sent the brethren, Paul saying to the church, I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Now what had happened was he had talked to uh, the folks that were traveling with him. Paul had talked to them about this Corinthian church. And they said, man, this Corinthian church, they're going to be a blessing in their giving. They're awesome. So he's saying, I wanted to make sure that you didn't come short. Verse 4, otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared to give, is what he's talking about. If they find you unprepared to give, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. We'll be put to shame. In other words, he's saying, I've talked so much about how great of a giver you are because in, in uh, 1 Corinthians he's talked about that they, they gave, right? He's saying, I've talked so much about it. If you come and you're not prepared, we're going to look silly because I've talked about how good of a giver you are. So he's helping them out. I believe he probably picked up something in the spirit that said they weren't esteeming it like they were a few months ago. Anybody ever been like that in your finances? And what does this also show us? Doesn't this also show us that when we come in, we ought to be prepared to give? We ought to be prepared to give. Nicole and I personally, just to show you what we do, uh, we're seeking the Lord throughout the week all the time. And if we go into any meeting, we come prepared to give. And we may miss one every now and then, but we try for that not to be the case. We want to give something at any, every meeting, be it large or small, makes no difference to us. We just want to hear from God. So we start seeking God. What do you have us to give to that? This is what Paul's saying. You should be prepared to give. Now what's he, getting, what's he teaching us about? Finances. What's he teaching us how to get into? Abundance. So if we want to move into abundance, we should pay attention to these things that he's saying. We should be prepared to give. Amen. And then he says this, verse 5, So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. So in other words, he said, you promised that when we come, you were going to give in a big way. Now, he said, I'm sending these guys ahead so that you will be prepared in your sowing, in your giving, and you won't be affected by covetousness. Have you ever said, oh man, I'm, I'm going to support you big time. I'm going to support you big time. You know, all right, Pastor Brian, I believe in Boomerang. I believe in what you're doing. I'm going to give to you in big, big ways. And then big, big ways come into you and you're like, yeah, I'm going to give you a few dollars. <laughs> what happened in between the first time and the second time? Covetousness. In other words, I started to covet what I promised to give. What I promised to give. 
Anybody ever had that happen to them? Don't raise your hand. I'll, I'll raise mine for you. Amen. I said I was going to do something, and then I get it in my hands. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to give it now. I feel like it's mine. Anybody ever had that? That's covetousness. Covetous will keep you out of abundance. Covetous will keep you out of abundance. And so he was sending them ahead to remind them of their gift and to kind of break off some of that covetous so that when they got there they could uphold their word. Now they're supposed to be prepared to give and they're not supposed to be operating in covetousness. They're supposed to be operating in what he's about to talk about. A heart that's ready to give. That wants to give. Verse 6. Now this I say. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now I want you to notice here that it's, is it, does it say he who gives sparingly? No, it says he who sows sparingly because there's a difference between those, between those uh, words. Pastor Tracy, I noticed recently, he started saying, we are not in a giving kingdom, we're in a sowing kingdom. Now, it's not that giving doesn't take place in the kingdom of God, but he's, what he's trying to get into our head is, don't give without understanding that it's a seed being planted. Give in expectation that there's a harvest that will come up. There's faith in between that seed and the harvest. And if I just say I'm giving, that doesn't necessarily bring along with it the idea that I'll be receiving a harvest later, right? I need to get in my head that when over and above the tithe, when I give, I'm not just giving, I'm sowing, I'm planting. And I should expect there to be a harvest. So we're in a sowing kingdom, not just a giving kingdom, right? And so then he says this, he says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap Sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, right? And then he says this, so in other words, I'm going to reap based on how I, how I sow. Yeah. If it's a little, and we'll use little and big just for these terms, if it's a little, then I'll get a little. If it's a lot, then I'll get a lot. Right? Then verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart. Now remember earlier he said that you, are, you need to be prepared to sow, prepared to give. In other words, you need to purpose in your heart that I'm a giver, that I'm a sower. And not give it grudgingly like I'm a give but I don't want to. Right? That's grudgingly. Or I don't, as a preacher, I don't need to get up and say, now y'all need to be given, okay? And me force you in, well, I wasn't going to, but now since you put it this way, you put me under pressure, now I'm going to give, right? So a preacher doesn't need to apply pressure, but I don't need to give out of that pressure or give grudgingly. I need to be a cheerful giver. I need to be a bountiful giver. And then it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we need to be prepared to give. We need to be a bountiful sower. We need to be a cheerful sower, right? 
We need to not let covetous affect us. We're talking about how to get in abundance. And these are some of the rules of getting into abundance. And then it says this, each one must do as he purposed in his heart. Verse 8, and God is able to make how much grace? All. All All grace. That's a lot of grace, y'all. Y'all, that's all. (laughs) That's a lot of grace. That's a lot of grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, that's a lot of time. Not just some of the time, all the time. Having all sufficiency in everything. I have sufficiency in everything. You may have an abundance. Not just enough. Not just a little, not just enough, an abundance for every good deed, for every good work. This is the heart of God, for every good work. Now I want to ask you this. It says here, all grace, it says abound, and it says always in everything. Have you ever found yourself short of that? Have you ever found that sometimes you had abundance, but not all the time? Have you ever found that uh, always didn't always happen in the past? Did you ever find that in everything you didn't always have sufficiency? But is that what His Word says? So let me ask you this question. If it's written in His Word like that, is it available? Then how come we've come short? Because somewhere in the process, we've missed something. Somewhere in the process, we've missed something. But is it available? Always, all sufficiency, abounding in every good work. Abundance. Is it available? If it's available, say, that's me. me. It's available to me. me. Is it available? Is it available? Are you sure? I mean, I know God wrote it in here, but sometimes these are just stories. Oh, that ought to offend you. It was was hard for me to say it. (laughs) He meant it. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance For every good deed. Kids, how would you like to grow up and always have all grace abounding in everything, to have sufficiency in everything for every good deed you have abundance? How would you like to never suffer the lack that your parents have had? See, here's the thing. I can start preaching to the kids. They'll get it. They know how to sow into a bike. How would you like to never have the lack? That's the promise God makes, and He's big enough to make it happen. Adults, if we would get like kids, we'd operate in more of this. We'd operate in more of it. It says, as it is written, verse 9, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
you will be enriched in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. In other words, the end result of this is the harvest of your righteousness will be so big in everything you'll be thanking God. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you for pouring out your blessings. I thank you for getting me out of debt. I thank you for bringing healing to my family and to my church. I thank you for paying off the building at the church. I thank you for paying off my house. I thank you, Lord, I could pay for that mission trip. I thank you, Lord, that we could take the vacation that we were supposed to. I thank you, Lord, that when that widow needed her teeth fixed, I just said, yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. Let me do it. I'm going to beat everybody else before they can because we're all walking in abundance. And that is producing thanksgiving in everything because there's abundance for every good work. Do you see? Is this just making this up? Am I making this up or is that what your Bible says? Listen to that which you will be enriched in everything for all liberality. Like I don't have to skimp. Amen. I don't have to be cheap. Amen. Wives, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Wives, if your husband went out and he just in all liberality, I mean, he just lavished stuff on you. Just lavished. I mean, he took you to the three or four hundred dollar dinner, bought you two dozen roses, red ones and a big, delivered them in front of all the people at your work. And attached, and attached to it a beautiful diamond. I mean, in all liberality, attached a beautiful diamond ring just because he loves you. It's not to replace the other one, just to add to. I receive it. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, there was a little card, and he said, I'd go to your favorite spa and get, all, get the works. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> get the works. Now I'm just using that. See, some people, some religious-minded will get offended at that. Well, you're talking about yourself. Well, my daddy does care about you. He loves you. When it says that you have liberality in all things, he's not just talking about spreading the gospel only. It's also to bless his children. You remember, for the son who came home after he had really messed up, he made a feast. He made a feast. He made a feast. Just to celebrate the son. To give to the son. That's what the big brother was mad at. Because he was treating the backward son nice. In excess. That's what the older son was mad at. Because of the excess the father lavished on him. It sounds like all liberality to me. See, we've got, to, we've got to get some of this junky thinking towards finances out of our head. This is what's holding you back to moving in abundance so that you can actually send the gospel out. Because if a husband can get to the place where he does yeah. that for a wife, right. that's the same kind of husband that can then get to the place where he'll give for the kingdom on even bigger standards. Yep. It is. You can say, well, that's not so. You shouldn't put those together. That's the way it is. Because when you get your heart on the other side of sowing, on the liberal side of sowing, on the cheerful side and the bountiful side of sowing, you'll see it not just in one area of life, not just in the spouse. It'll be everywhere because you then become a sower. A sower. That's what he's trying to get you to. You'll see it there too. 
when I was away, um, I don't remember where I was. Wasn't it your, oh, it was our anniversary this year. And um, she had an Amazon list. And uh, on the stuff on her list, it wasn't like huge, great, big stuff. But she has a list of her wish list, right? Man, I practically wiped that wish list out. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Why? Because the Lord had blessed and I was able to do that. And I was like, so you have a few things coming to the house while I'm gone for our anniversary because I happened to be out of town on that day. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it was like seven different packages. And then about a month later, there was one, you know, that probably shipped from China or something. And I was like, what is that for? I was like, um, oh, that was one of those that was on your list, right? We forgot even why it was there. But here's the thing. You want to do that. You want to move to that place. Am I bragging on us? No, I'm bragging on God. I'm bragging on the Lord. Don't be afraid of persecution because God blesses you. He says you will have persecution this time when you start walking in some of this stuff. But is that a reason for me to shrink back from preaching the word? No. No. The problem is there's a whole lot of preachers that are afraid of that persecution. They're not being the salt like they're supposed to. And that's why you don't hear these messages. And that's why when you ask the question, who wants to be wealthy, people go, um, I don't know. You see? So now, look at this. I want you to look here at these images. And let's put up that very first image about the two buckets. And get ready, because I'll go through them. So you've got two different buckets. And what are these buckets and in our sowing, what are those buckets? So let's look at the next slide. You'll see this. In this, you see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and basically verse 10, you see this. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So he's trying to get us to an abundance. But now look at verse 10. Now he who supplies, what's the first bucket? Seed to the sower and bread for food. That is your harvest. That's your abundance. Seed and abundance. So you have the two different buckets. You've got the seed to plant and you have the harvest in abundance. It goes on to say he will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So now, a lot of times, put that back up there for just a second. A lot of times what you see is those two buckets. Your two buckets are combined into one bank account. So how do you know what's seed and what's harvest? Well, you don't necessarily, but you have to be, when you become a sower, it starts to clear up a little bit. For this purpose, I want you to see the two different buckets up there. I want you to see the bucket for seed and the bucket for harvest. And it's seed, what, is, what do you do with seed? Look at it there. Seed to plant, to sow. And then the harvest is in abundance. And what's that harvest there? To do every good work. To do every good work. All right? Now, I want you to see this. Let's go to the next, uh, next slide there. You'll see this. I want you to see, see this is the first bucket. is kind of like prosperity through grace. Now, I want to give you some of this. 
All right, come back. Let the camera come back on me. And then I want you to see this. There's some general mindsets that we have towards financial thinking. Okay? General mindsets that the world has given us towards financial thinking. Number one is uh, quantity of money made. In other words, if I make more money, I'm doing good. That's a worldly way of thinking. Now, the next one is, well, it's not what money I make, it's what money I save. Well, that's a more mature, it's still worldly thinking, but it's more mature. And when you start to understand money, it's not how much you make. Because you can, you can have somebody that uh, makes $10,000 a year and they save $1,000. But then you can have somebody that makes 100000 and they spend it all. Which one's doing better? The one who saved the 1000 right? It's not about how much they make, it's about how much they save. But that's still worldly thinking, it's just a more mature way. Uh, Next thing is, the third one is, the quantity of money given. Now this is the beginning of godly thinking, the quantity of money that I give, right? But then the fourth way of thinking is the quantity of money that's given in love or led by God because you can give if you look at 1 Corinthians 13:3 I can give all that I have to the poor but not have love and it profits me nothing. So in other words, I can give but if God doesn't tell me where to give, then it might not profit me at all or the kingdom. So the most mature is what do I give the quantity that I give as led by God? The quantity that I give as led by God. Now, this also brings up uh, harvesting from grace or sowing and reaping. Now, you're going to see these things. Now, these are mindsets towards biblical finances. One mindset towards biblical finances. This is important to see these differences. One mindset towards biblical finances is this. God wants you poor and humble. Now, we've had enough teaching tonight where you know that that's not true. But aren't there people that think this in the church? God wants you poor and humble. I mean, there's a joke that says, uh, you, know, we'll, you know, you keep them poor, we'll keep talking about the preacher. You keep them poor, we'll keep them humble, you know. Or you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor, vice versa, something like that. Some joke is silly. I've forgotten what it even says. But people think that God wants them poor and humble. They don't know the word. He wants you to have an abundance for every good, ne- good deed, every good work. Uh, number two mindset towards biblical finances is God will sovereignly give you prosperity. In other words, God will decide who to give it to and, and when and how much. God makes all those decisions. He'll do it sovereignly. The problem with that is he tells us that we can make our own way prosperous if we'll meditate on his word day and night. He tells us that he, he gives us the power to get wealth. Remember I said when we tithe that opens the windows and the doors, right? The doors are there to step through. Who is empowered to step through that door? That's the person that understands God will give me the power to get wealth, the power to step through that door, yeah. right? But then another mindset is God wants me prosperous. They know it in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. There's no faith on that or action on it, right? And then you have the fourth and fifth are biblical ways of of finances. It is one, I will have prosperity through grace or seed time and harvest. 
Now generally, uh, they look like this. So if you'll look at this, let's look at these uh, examples. The first one was, uh, let's put them both up there, the next one. You'll see prosperity through grace is one bucket and seed time and harvest is another bucket. Prosperity through grace and then you have seed time and harvest. Alright, go to the next one. Now, prosperity through grace is basically like this. Nope, back up. Prosperity through grace is basically this. I, I will abundantly increase simply because of faith, because of grace. Because God loves me, he will add increase into my life. Seed time and harvest is basically this. I will abundantly increase as I sow. Now, both of these ways work. I can remember when I started to learn about biblical finances, the first thing that I learned about was seed, time, and harvest. And I realized if I will sow, we will reap a harvest, right? And it works. But then after a time, I started to see those verses that talk about God wants all grace to abound. And I started to see that if he'll give me this, he's already blessed me with every uh, spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I started to realize I already have his blessing on my life. And I started to move into prosperity by grace. But here's the thing. In both of those, what I started to see was I didn't have all grace abounding in every place. We still had places of lack. We still had places where it just didn't seem to be working. No matter if I did seed time and harvest or if I did prosperity through grace. I want you to see this. Let's put this back up here. So you see prosperity through grace is basically I'm believing that God's already blessed me and then he'll give into that bucket, into, that, into my bucket. And then the other one is seed time and harvest. And that means if I'll sow, then I'll add faith to what I sow. Then I'll have a harvest and he'll fill up that bucket. Now the issue with this, let's go to the next one. You've got on one side prosperity through grace. And on the other side, you've got seed time and harvest. Both of them work. But in my experience, neither one of them work to the full. Both of them are biblical principles in the Word. You've actually seen them in scriptures already that we've looked at tonight. Both of them are, are biblical principles and they both work. But why weren't they working to the full? Why wasn't the overflow always there? Why were there still times of lack in my life? Well, let me show you this. Go to the next slide. You'll see this. Look at this. In prosperity through grace, basically what you're saying is because God loves me, I'll put faith on his love for me and he'll just bless me abundantly. What you're basically saying is I'll have faith, but there'll never be a corresponding action with that faith. It's faith without works. Well, what does James say? James says that when you do that, he says your faith without works is dead. So in other words, even though this is a biblical principle, it's not complete. Well, look at seed time and harvest. Go back to the next one. It says basically that I will work first and then it'll be followed by faith. Isn't it supposed to be faith then works? And I started to see that both of these by themselves 
actually are not the full promise. Both of them cross some of the spiritual lines. So what you're seeing is that neither one is a true representation of faith and works, and that's why there was lack in those two. You have these two different buckets. Now, if you go to the next slide, you'll see this. What if instead of seeing them as opposite ways of moving into abundance, what if we looked at them as they were joined? So instead of being prosperity through grace or seed time and harvest, I've got to do one or the other, what if we combined them? What if both of them were designed to work hand in hand and instead of trying to do one or the other, I did both of them? Now all of a sudden, can you look at this? If I was just trying to move into abundance in prosperity through grace, I'm just operating out of one bucket when I'm supposed to have two. But if I'm just operating in seed time and harvest, I'm doing the same thing. I'm operating out of one bucket when I'm supposed to have two. So what we do is we just take out that line. In our righteousness, God gives us everything that we need. And you can see that in the very next slide, it joins the two together. Now imagine this. God gives everything to you in grace. And because of that grace, what does he say? God will give seed to the sower. He will give it. How much does it cost him? Nothing. It's in his grace he'll give you seed. He will give seed to you. From the beginning without you doing anything he's made that promise. I'll give you seed. All you have to do is be a sower. All you have to do is be a sower. Well, what's, what's that seed? He's given seed to the sower, but what's the sow, sowing seed for? To sow. So looking back at that same slide, you'll see that if he'll give me seed, if he'll fill up that first bucket and I'm a sower, then I'll take that seed and I'll plant it. And then I'll, once I plant it, I'll put faith on it. And now what happens to seed? It multiplies into a big, big, abundant harvest a big and abundant harvest but the issue is a lot of times we've been trying to operate out of one bucket when we should have had two and we've been applying them at the wrong area we've we've been not understanding now i want you to see this if god will give me everything if he gives seed to the sower if he gives it to me how much does it cost me nothing, nothing. So in other words, if I will determine to be a sower, what will God give to me? Seed. seed. Yep. He'll give me seed. So then the condition that I need to meet is I need to be a child of God and I need to have a heart that's given to be a sower. Now, uh, I think it was Keith Moore was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying this, look, just because you gave one Sunday or a month of Sundays doesn't, doesn't mean that you're a sower. Right. That just means that you decided to try it. We're talking about changing your whole heart into being a sower. We're talking about changing your whole mindset towards life. I'm no longer a stingy person. I am a cheerful, bountiful giver. I'm a cheerful and bountiful sower. And when that changes in your heart, what does God do? He gives you seed. So now look at this. 
So you can see here when we combine these, go to the next one, you can see that God will give you seed simply because you're a child and you are a sower. And then you'll take that seed and you will sow it. You will plant it into the kingdom of God for the gospel's sake or for the sake of Jesus Christ. You will plant that in and then all of a sudden that faith towards your sowing will fill up the harvest bucket and you will have an abundance for every good deed. In the next slide, you'll see that you have a harvest of abundance. So when once, but here's how it works. Are you going to have a harvest if you don't plant any seed? No. no. But are you going to have any seed if you don't determine in your heart to be a sower? No. And that's where most people get trapped up. A few weeks ago when I talked about dig a ditch and we were talking about paying off this building and everything, you know, I don't think that people caught what I was actually saying in it because here's what I'm saying. If you'll determine to be a sower, God will give you the seed. God will give you the seed. The only thing it's waiting on is your heart. Look, let, is, what's the next slide after that? What determines the seed to give? Your heart. Your heart to sow, your heart to give. Look at this. Go back and look at this verse now. Now this I say, verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart. Now watch this. Each one must do what? As he purposed in his heart. So in other words, he's supposed to do what his heart was purposed on. That means, in context, he's supposed to sow based on what his heart decided, I want to sow. That means he has an ability to sow what his heart made a decision about. That means that God gave him the seed based off of where his heart was. Because he can't do what God hasn't given him. So then all of a sudden you start to ask this question, what have I decided to do? What have I decided to do? Recently, uh, we had, um, I'll, I'll not name names, I don't think, I'm going to try not to. But basically we had some folks in the church that decided they wanted to, to give of their time and they believed God. They believed God for the finances to be able to give their time like they're working a 40-hour week here at the church. They determined in their heart to be a sower of their time and God gave them the ability to do just that. He gave seed to the sower. He gave seed to the sower. Do you realize what that is? That means that every month instead of getting a paycheck, they're basically giving that into the kingdom of God. Do you recognize, do you realize that that is seed? Whatever money that is, that's basically a salary each month they are sowing into the kingdom. What's the harvest on that? <laughs> All of a sudden everything changes. But why did that come about? Because they decided, I'm going to give it. God said, I'll make a way. 
I'll make a way. It came down to what was in their heart. Put that very last slide up one more time. It came down to their heart to give, their heart to sow. If their heart was set on giving, that's what they would get from the Lord. The Lord would grant whatever it is they set their heart to give. And Brother Hagin, uh, some people would say this one time. They would say, Brother Hagin, if I had anything to give, I'd give it to you. He said, I wouldn't tell it. <laughs> what are they saying? They're saying, I don't have what I'm telling you I want to give. Well, the Word says if you wanted to give, you'd have it. Yeah. So what, he, what they were actually saying is, I'm lying to you. Because God says, if you want to give, you'll have it. Now, there have been times where I'm growing in it, where you're growing in those things. In other words, you haven't purposed in your heart for very long. Maybe you just started on this journey, but now you purpose in your heart. Uh, and God will get that seed into your hands. So here, here's the thing. You know, when we were talking about the building, we were talking about believing God for, you know, $550,000, Right? And people were coming through saying, I'll give $300, i will give this, I'll give what? What did they purpose in their heart to give? Well, listen, a hundred $300 givers is not but $30,000. That ain't going to do it. <laughs> That's not going to do it. If you purpose to give in your heart, you know, Three, four, five hundred dollars, then he'll give you that seed, but that's not going to do it. So then the question becomes, how big am I, am I believing God? How big am I believing him? Let me show you this. You will give just as you purposed in your heart. God will give to you what you purpose in your heart. So will y'all pull that whiteboard over here, please? You will give based off of what you purpose in your heart. And what are the two ingredients that it says with your heart that we can give with? A cheerful giver and a bountiful giver, right? A cheerful giver and a bountiful giver. So how do you determine what kind of giver am I? How do you determine am I a cheerful giver or a bountiful giver? How do we determine that? I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how do I know? He said, let me ask you a couple of questions. He asked me these questions and I, I thought it was just awesome. So, here's the question. Let's look at bountiful giver first. Because isn't it right, this is my last point for the evening and then uh, we'll be wrapping up. Isn't it right that whatever my heart is set to do, God will give me the ability to sow that? If I have it purposed in my heart to be a sower, then who gives the seed to sow? God. How much does it cost you? Right. Listen, is the seed, put the, put the uh, buckets up the very last one before the heart. Before the heart, one back up one. So now look at this picture and I want you to see something. Isn't does the seed come out of the harvest bucket or the seed bucket? It seems so very simple when we see it like this, but here's the thing. Does your believing to give come out of your harvest? No, it increases the harvest. So when we have something like paying off the building or something to... to 
to give, it's opening up a door of opportunity. Most people look at it and they go, oh, this is going to cost me however much money it's going to cost you. No, it's not going to cost you anything because God gives seed to the sower. In other words, if I determine to be a sower, God will bring extra into my life to meet that seed demand. So now, that's, if I will determine to be a sower, it's not costing me anything. Now, I can say, well, he gave me $500. If I kept the $500, I would be $500 richer. No, if you keep the $500, you've let covetous affect you and it destroys your abundance. You'll see it go down in other places too because I determined to be a sower of that $500. So then all of a sudden, but here's the other thing. If you eat the $500, if you make the seed your harvest, then you don't have the harvest on the $500. Right. What's the harvest on the 500? A lot more. A lot more. And I wouldn't have had the seed in the first place if I wouldn't have set my heart to do it. So God will give seed to the sower. It's got nothing to do with you except for you purposing in your heart as a child of God. So many times people see that their, their sowing costs them something. No, it costs you something not to. Because he won't, here's the thing, if I don't purpose myself to be a sower, will he give it to me? No, it's based off of being a sower. Can you see that? Do you understand? I'm not going to have it if I don't become a sower. All of a sudden, it starts to become clear. Oh, if I will change my heart, God will give me seed. In other words, God will then change my harvest. If the harvest of abundance is what I want, it starts with the seed. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, man, the more seed I get in the ground, the bigger harvest I have, right? I don't know why it takes us that long to get to that aha moment. And it doesn't cost me anything for seed. It's kind of like a farmer going to the seed store and say, hey, he's got it. I'm going to go plant and have this huge harvest. He's got it. I just got to determine I'm going to plant the stuff. If I'll plant the stuff, I'll have a harvest. And he's going to pay for the seed. I just have to determine that I'll be the planter. I'll be the sower. And how I determine that in my heart has everything to do with how big he'll fill up the seed bucket with. The bigger I, the bigger I become a sower in my heart, the bigger my seed bucket gives, gets, the bigger my harvest gets. And he'll give me every bit of seed that I can believe for. Think about that. He will give you every bit of seed that you can believe for. So now it becomes very important to understand the difference between a bountiful giver and a cheerful giver. And so let me ask you this question. If you said, if I asked you this question, you don't have to tell me your answer. I might ask one or two people. Next year... How much do you want to sow into the kingdom of God next year? In 2019, how much do you want to sow into the kingdom of God? This is all, all of this. Everything we preach has come down to this moment. And this is what you need to listen to more than anything else. How much do you want to sow into the kingdom of God next year? So come up with a number in your head. For you personally, how much do you want to sow in 2019 into the kingdom of God? 
All right. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody. Now, if you have a number in your head, put your hand down. Anybody still waiting on the number? You should have your hand up. So come up with a number. How much do you want to give next year into the kingdom? What number do you want to give? I'd love to hear the kids' answers to this. That would be entertaining. How much do you want to give? So if you got your, now you know what it is? You know what it is? You got a number yet? Okay. All right. Now, I'm going I'm to ask one person. So you tell me a number. What was your number? Over 10,000. Over 10, That's awesome. What number over 10? 12,000. 12, so next year you'd like to give 12,000 into the kingdom of God. Right? Okay. So now, I'm going to use that as an example, and I knew you'd be okay if I picked on you a little bit, okay? All right, so watch. So he said, can everybody see this? I'm going to just... He said, next year in 2019, I want to give 12000 to the kingdom of God. How many would say that's a good number? Anybody? Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a good number. Does that beat what most people give? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, be, it beats what most people... And we're not talking about tithes. We're talking about offering. We're talking about offering over and above the tithe. That's a pretty good number. That's, that's $1,000 a month given, right? And here's the question. Where does your seed come from? God. How much of it does he have to give? You see it? How much does he have to give? Doesn't the seed come out of his grace? And how much grace can he get to you? All grace abounding to you. So then the question is, is, is 12,000 the limits of God's grace? So now all of a sudden what we start to see is we're, our belief for seed, we're going to have seed as we purpose in our heart. So if our vision can only see that God would give us 12000 next year, then how much are we going to have to give to sow? 12000 Because he gives seed to the sower as they purposed in their heart. But if our vision sees that in grace it's unlimited, because isn't God unlimited in his ability to get this to you? You see it? So then all of a sudden we open up our heart to receive seed. And I can purpose in my heart to give way above because I'm not limiting it on world's way of thinking. It's only limited by the limits of God with whom there are none. Can you see all this ministry and all of this teaching is to get to these two questions? That's the first one. Couldn't God in all of his unlimited ability, as easy as it is for him to get 12,000 to you, isn't it also just as easy for him to get a million to you? 
And we're not talking about harvest. We're talking about seed. And does it cost you for seed? No. He gives seed to the sower as they've purposed in their heart. So in his bountifulness, if I start to see him as bigger than that, then I have how much available to me as seed? Whatever I can see and whatever I can purpose in my heart. Can you see how we've had lack before? Can you see how we've limited God? There ought to be people in here, just talking about the building stuff and the building finances, there ought to be people in here uh, that move and they're saying, I believe for 100000 of the whole thing. I believe to pay off the whole thing. I'll do it because I'll give it. The Lord, Lord gets that seed in my hand. I'll give it and start purposing their heart to be $100,000 givers, million-dollar givers to the kingdom of God. They start purposing in their heart because the seed is not based off of what they have or what they have in a bank account. The seed is based off of His grace. The seed is based off of what He will give by His grace. This is why it says you increase the harvest of your righteousness because grace comes through righteousness. In Romans chapter 5, I believe it is. So now all of a sudden, we're not just limited. Thank you for letting me pick on you. You're not the first person I've done that to. But, but here's the thing. That's a really good number compared to what most people say. That's a great number. And here's what the answer needs to be. Lord, you can give me a trillion dollars to give a seed. How much do you want me to believe for next year for seed? It's not a number I can come up with. It's what do you want? Because on his word is life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in other words, what I need to do is I need to hear from heaven. In all your grace, in everything that you have, in all of your grace, what do you want me to purpose in my heart to receive as seed? And whatever a person can purpose in their heart, God will give seed to the sower. So now I just blew the limits off of your seed. And we're not talking about the harvest bucket. We're just talking about the seed bucket. I just blew the limits off it. How big did your bucket just grow? Huge. Now here's the second question. Let's say, so in other words, God can go way, way, way higher than what we've thought up to this point. Here's the second question. All right? So this is, that was a bountiful giver. This is a cheerful giver. So let's say, I'm going to just use big round numbers. Let's say that your salary this year was $100,000. Anybody want that? Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Let's say that your salary in 2018 was $100,000, right? Let's say that I told you, the, the, the Lord spoke to me and you knew that it was true. You absolutely knew that it's true. In 2019, you're not going to earn $100,000. You're going to earn, he's going to double it and it's going to be $200,000. An extra 100K. So next year, this year you made 100K. Next year you're making 200K. You're making $200,000. 
Now, I want you to come up with your own answer. Out of that $100,000 extra next year that's coming in, how much are you going to give to the kingdom of God? So come up with a number. Out of the extra $100,000, out of that $100,000 that's extra, how much of that are you going to give to the kingdom? So come up with a number. Everybody raise your hand. And when you got a number, put it down. Out of that extra 100000 how much of that are you giving to the kingdom? When you got an answer, put it down. All right. So now, let me, some of you have heard this before, so I'm not going to you. What was your number? 100? See, I knew you might say that. Amen. <laughs> what do you think most people would say? 20 or 30 is the standard answer. And y'all been sitting under some of the teachings, so you get it. But here's the thing most people would say 20 or 30,000, right? 30,000 is, 20 to 30 is an average answer. But here's the thing. You've already proven that you could live off of 100. You've already proven that. If he was going to give you that much extra, why would, couldn't you just say, I'll give you all of it? You've already proven that you can live off of the first. That has to deal with a cheerful heart to give. I'm willing. See, most people, what they do is they think, well, if I give 30% of, I give them the tithe and I give them an extra 20%, that's pretty good. They feel, they feel good about themselves for giving that, but they've already proven that they can live there. A cheerful giver is going to say, Lord, I give you every bit of it. How much you want me to give? Right. He will give seed to the sower just as he, they purposed in their heart. And the purpose comes in two forms, cheerfulness and bountifulness. One, we just blew the top off of what's available to us in seed. But two, we've got to really sit back and take the time to make sure that our heart is in that cheerful place. Because if we will purpose in our heart to be a bountiful giver and a cheerful giver, if we'll purpose in our heart to be a bountiful giver and a cheerful giver, we take the limits off of how much seed God can give. And if you take the limits off of the seed, you take the limits off of the harvest, then you can move into the abundance. And you'll have abundance for every good work. Can you see that? How many people feel like you've received something tonight? Father, right now, you just received this. Father, right now, we receive seed as a sower. We are a sower. We are sowers in your kingdom. We are not just harvesters, we are sowers. And you give seed to the sower. You give seed to the sower. We purpose in our heart to be sowers. I'm just going to talk to you for a second. Listen, take your time. This is important. I, when the Lord first revealed this to me was two years ago. I've literally been meditating on this word for two years because I don't want to just step into it. I want to get my heart right. I want to meditate on this. I want this to become a part of me, that I needed my heart to be purposed to the fullness that God's called it to be uh, 
full of, right? I needed it to be the fullness of what God can see inside of me. I needed to take my time. In other words, I needed to take some personal time and say, Brian, are you cheerful in your giving? Brian, are you bountiful giver? Is your heart really to be that? Or are you still having some covetous? You know what the answer was? I still am, I got some covetous that I need to work out of me. You need to take some time to say, I will be a cheerful giver. I will be a bountiful giver. And God will give me seed based off of how I purpose in my heart. And if he'll give me that seed, it doesn't cost me anything. Because he gives it to me. But I've got to purpose my heart. The key begins in how have you purposed yourself. You want to move to abundance for every good work. You want to move into the places that God has for you. But you're not going to do it without taking the time to purpose in your heart to be a sower on the standards of God. To be a heavenly standard of sowing. Having that in your heart. You want to move to those places. Like I said, many people think that sowing costs them something. It doesn't. God gives that seed. He'll give it to you. He'll start getting it in your hand. It'll start showing up out of, in unexpected places. Why? Because he's giving it to you. It's not coming out of your salary. Maybe it's a bonus or something. Maybe it's extra sales or something like that. But he'll start giving it to you. But make sure that when he does that, that you appropriate it and put it in the right place. Oh, oh, this is seed. I know now uh, when Nicole and I receive something, the first, one of the first things we ask is so important. Lord, is this seed or is this harvest? If it's harvest, I'm going to enjoy eating it. But if it's seed, I'm going to enjoy planting it. But which one is it? I don't care which one it is. If it's not my harvest, that just means I got a bigger one coming. If it's not my harvest, I just got a bigger harvest coming. I get excited about that. Which one is it, Lord? Is it seed or harvest? And you start becoming, Lord, I'm a giver. I'm a sower. I love to sow into your kingdom. I enjoy. I'm cheerful about that. Take time. To purpose your heart to be a sower. And you'll start see God giving you seed. God will give seed to you. And he won't give you just a little bit of seed. It won't be limited uh, to our thinking. It will be only limited by how much you can believe. Amen. How much you can see. Amen? Amen. And God will turn up the abundance in your life. You'll be walking in stuff that people... <laughs> kids, you start learning how to give and watch what God does. Watch what God does. You'll give just out of the abundance of your heart to give like they did. They gave a few dollars into a bike. A few, a few days later, bikes come in for them all paid for. Brand new. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because they purposed in their heart to be a sower. They were ready to. One day this guy walked up to me and uh, somebody introduced me to him. I know, I know who it is. It's an evangelist. They introduced, introduced uh, me to this evangelist, a young evangelist. Man, tearing it up. Awesome job. Awesome job. His, his name is uh, TJ. Awesome evangelist up in Canada. I mean, house of fire. He's preaching. Um, he's preaching. And, uh, and they introduced me to him. It's the first time I'd ever met him. I'd been at a conference all week. I'd given about everything I had left. I had a few dollars in my pocket to go home with, right? Had a few dollars in my pocket to go home with. They said, this guy, he's tearing it up. 
I had heard about him, but I hadn't seen him, hadn't seen really what he was doing yet. But right there in that moment, the Lord said, I want you to take everything out of your pocket and I want you to give it to him. He is winning souls. He's doing it for my kingdom. And I pulled out, I pulled out, and uh, I had it right there. And I, I hadn't heard give everything to him yet. But I'm looking, and I got some money in my pocket. I think I had like, I don't know, 30 or 50 bucks left. And uh, I, I looked at it, and I was like, man, I'm going to need $20 to go through the airport in case I need something to drink and to eat. And I might need some money for something. I don't know what I might face. I need some cash in my pocket. And right then the Holy Ghost says, what kind of giver are you? I'm like, take it all. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I just gave it to him. Just gave it to him. Say, it's all yours. Why? Because we're a giver. We're a giver. And that's what I said. I just said, man, you, you just take it all. Why? You're winning souls. I, I believe in what you're doing. I'm planting seed into the gospel for your sake, Jesus. Take it all. That's a heart to give. You've got to get to that place where you're ready to just let go of something just like that. Just let go of it just like that. You've got to be ready to just let go of the things of God. Amen? That was an example. <laughs> That's not an example. You got to be ready to just let go. No matter what. To just let go. Amen. Purpose in your heart to be a giver. Kids, I, there's something on kids. Hey, um, I want all the kids that have it on their heart for me to pray I want you to come up here and let me pray for you on this 